From Boca Raton, Florida, this is Behind the Bima. On this episode, the rabbis and special guest host, Rabbi Tzinyochevet Goldberg, are joined by Lisa Elephant, founder of Adopt a Shadcha. Lisa discusses how she maintains a positive and supportive community, shares how her organization achieves success, and explains the importance of having positive interactions with Shadchanim. Also, the Goldbergs discuss their experiences in making Shadokim. All this and more, Behind the Bima. Good evening. It is Wednesday. I am Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg, joined by a special guest host, hostess, the one, the only, the great, the much better half, Rabbi Tzinyochevet Goldberg, and we are here to take you... Behind the Bima. Behind the Bima. That was, I would give that like a, maybe like a six out of 10. I don't know. I could use a little work. But we are here to take you behind the bima. I am so excited whenever Yechavah joins me as a co-host on Behind the Bima is uh, is always a great joy. I want to thank our generous sponsors, our good friends, Danielle and Avi Aronovitz and uh, Lisa and Ellie Hecht uh, with their children, Rebecca and Hoodie, Yoni, Kobe and Miri, Rebecca, Jacob, Eliza, all in honor of their father and poppy's birthday. A very happy birthday to Larry Iram, a special occasion, a happy birthday. Wishing you a lot of nachas from your amazing family. And a lot of good health and happiness and joy and bracha. Thank you so much for your generosity and sponsorship. And Yocheved, why is tonight a perfect night for Danielle and Avi to be sponsoring? Because Danielle is a very big shachin and has made many shizuchim and is extremely involved in shizuchim and um, really dedicates so much of her life and her time, even though she has another job and she has a family and has a lot going on, she still makes it a huge priority in her life to make Shaduchim and to be involved in Shaduchim. And it is very fit and very appropriate that she's sponsoring with her siblings and her children this uh, you know, beautiful episode with Lisa Elephant, who is also obviously the leader of Adopt a Shachin. So she also dedicates her life to Shaduchim. Absolutely. Very, very appropriate. And we're grateful to Danielle for all of her hard work in that area and generosity yes. on, uh, tonight on Behind the Bima. And another reason tonight is a really appropriate time. And this was not by design that we have Lisa on. And we're going to talk a lot about Shiduchim and Adopt the although we could speak forever and ever and never be done with this topic. Because tonight is a beautiful L'chaim in our community of two people. They had a Shadchan extraordinaire. Who set them up? The L'chaim, the vort that's taking, that took place tonight. Yes, I did set them up. Ah, yours truly, Yechevet, is the shot. What number shidduch is that? So it's actually very interesting because in my prime, when I was single and we were newly married. You, hit, actually, you told me you haven't hit your prime yet? Right, it wasn't my prime, but in the many years ago, when I was still single, I guess in my, in my low 20s, I, I made a few on my own. We made a couple together. And so we've done, I think, five, I guess, between the two of us. Um, and then we went for over 20 years with zero. And that's not for lack of trying, because I've been involved in Shaduchim since being a Rebetzin. I mean, that was part of kind of like, you know, being Rebetzin, being involved in community, you try to help your singles and help families. And part of that is setting up their children. And, you know, I've tried I now more recently, as my daughters get older, and they're getting married, and they have single friends, I've tried to set up their friends and, you know, our sons in laws friends, and you know, we've really been trying and zero success. Um, and now Baruch Hashem, a couple from the community who it's really amazing because they didn't know each other in the community and they both grew up here, um, one a little later, moved more recently, but and then both went to high school here and then went off to Israel to learn. One, she's in Madrucha, he's learning in the mirror and set them up in Israel, which was definitely a challenge with the time difference. But um, Baruch Hashem, there are so many great things, amazing yes. things that come out of the story. Number one is 
even if there's a long break between successful shidduchim, don't give up. Don't be disheartened. Don't stop trying. 20-year dry spell. A 20-year batting 04, whatever the number was. You can attest to how much I work on it. I can, I, I can attest to it with a lot of frustration and a lot of times that you thought you knew better than the singles who did not agree to keep going out and you insisted they should. So maybe there were people who lost out on their bus shirt and that's actually one of the five success stories, which is an amazing, amazing story. But you could go on a 20-year dry spell. Don't give up because that couple will mean the world when you hit the next one out of the, out of the park. So that's one lesson that comes from it. Another is sometimes... The answer is right under your nose. Two people who grew up and live in the same community come from the same community and just needed someone from the community to open their eyes and see what was right in front of everybody's nose, make that introduction. And I know that when you said it to me, I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. And everyone that after they got engaged, you mentioned it to you, you're like, yeah, that's obvious. What a great idea. And yet it wasn't obvious enough that anybody else thought of. So sometimes the answer is right under your nose. I was alluding to a great story. One of your early five shidduchim of a friend of mine who you set up with a friend of yours and they went out on several dates and both of them were like, eh, not there, nothing doing, not happening. And you were so frustrated. I'll never forget, even though it was a long time ago, you're like, they're wrong. I'm telling you they belong together. I'm telling you they're wrong. Okay. You can't force people to keep going out who don't want to be together. And then you like Arna Cohen, you called her back and you said, look, he wants to go out again. Are you willing to give it another try? And she said, you know, I didn't see it, but if he thinks so, I guess so. And you called him and you said, she wants to go out again. Are you willing to give it another try? And now they're happily married and the parents of several children and have sent us a gift on their anniversary. And it's a tribute to your stubbornness and perseverance that got that got done. So that's a that's a great story. Sometimes you do know better. Yeah, or you have to help things along and, and push things. But I will say that something that I feel is maybe part of the reason why we were successful in those early years and maybe have hit a wall in more recent years is because we were younger. So we really knew those singles. They were our friends. Yeah. They were our contemporaries. We, we understood them. We related to them. We roomed with them. We, so, you know, now these Shachanim and us who are a little bit older and, you know, these are our kids' friends or these are, they're not people that we necessarily really know well and, um, and, and can relate to. And so it becomes a little more challenging. I, I would love to encourage for all of you young people who are watching or for all of you adults who have children who are at the age who can make shidduchim, you need to set up your friends. I mean, the young people need to set up their friends, whether you're going out with someone and say, you know what, he's not for me, but I could really see him with my roommate, or she's not for me, but she really could be good for my chavrusa. Whatever it is, the young people really do need to be running the isn't show. That, isn't that part of how we got together? Meaning you were dating similar guys to a friend of yours who both wanted to marry somebody in Rabbanus or Chinuch or some form of, of uh, Jewish communal work. And um, I wasn't I for them, her. apparently. Her. You have any guys? Anyone? I advocated for myself, which is also important for singles to kind of step up and do some of their own work. I know that, you know, there, there's talk about a lot of uh, adult involvement in Shaduchim, whether that's Shadchanim or parents. But really, we, the young generation, the people who are single, should really and can advocate for themselves. They know who their close friends are, their like-minded friends are. Ask your friend, have you gone out with someone recently who might be good for me? Do you have any ideas? Um, you know, someone from your neighborhood, someone, I think that, you know, ask your cousin, ask your brother, ask, you know, but but it's okay to advocate for yourself. You don't have to depend on others to do that for you. It's another right. good so what was the story again? A friend mentioned me to you and then you chased me and pursued me until I relented. And was that, is that, am I remembering that correctly? Version, but uh, yeah, I did make my own shidduch. That's it. What, so you've really made seven. I heard about you, and then I called someone to set it up. So there you go. So it's yeah. actually seven. Six shidduch. There you go. So so then tonight was number seven. 
Sign was number seven. Okay. Wow, Mazel Tov. <laughs> moving, moving right along. The truth oh, is, Shidduchim. Ready for the next. <laughs> Shidduchim is a very, very complicated topic, and we've made it more complicated. I think that's another big difference from when we were younger. Like you said, when when you did call that person, it was a dear friend of mine's mother, uh, Bobby Finer, and she called me. And because I was dear friends and dear friends with her son, Avi, and, and had been there home many times for Shabbos, when she called me, she said, I have a neighbor and she's a great girl and told me everything about you. I was like, okay, you, you think it's a good idea? Yeah. It's not a waste of time now. I said, okay, I'm good. I didn't start, you know, getting your tax returns and lab results and pharmacy uh, investigation. I didn't make phone calls to roommates and Rabbanim and your camp counselor, someone who knew you well. And who knew me and I trusted said, this is a good idea. I said, okay, then I think that's worthwhile. And we've added so many barriers and barriers and barriers. And we've made it so much more and more complicated that some of them, it's too late. We're not going to turn back the clock. Some of them we can finally fix and we can maybe uh, improve on. Um, but we should also keep an eye not to add more and more barriers because we want, we want more people to find their other person and to find the happiness that we have. Yes. <laughs> Behind the marriage. That's oh, boy. No, no, we're definitely we're definitely not going there. So tonight we're going to talk to Lisa Elephant, founder of Adopt a Shadchan. And there's so many. You and I, we work with YU Connects, and we've spoken for and work with so many organizations. They're all great, and they're all wonderful, and we could have episodes with each of them. There's a lot to learn from them. Lisa's doing something grassroots, which is Shadchanim. They're not hired and paid. Maybe they are if they make a successful shidduch. But for the most part, they're local volunteers. They're people in your community, our community, every community, who simply want to meet with and advocate and fight for the singles in their community, among their friends, and then be part of a bigger web and a bigger network. And, and we've done that here in Boca. And with BRS, we have collaborated with Adopt a Shadchan. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, her coordinating is incredible. She's basically led this movement to get all of these Shadchanim, or just women who, women not men, I don't know, men should get more involved too, for sure. But it uh, happens to be women on this chat. But it's over, It's about 300, I'm not sure the exact number, but around 300 women who are very involved in Shaduchim. And she's able to bring them under one umbrella in one chat to coordinate us all of our efforts. You know, And like, for example, she made a whole initiative these past couple of months to do Meet the Shadchan events. And she had them all over. She called them, I think, Connect the Dots or had a whole name for it and flyer. And they were happening everywhere, all different communities. And it was just a great opportunity for singles to be able to go somewhere to meet a bunch of Shachanim at the same time and uh, and get their name out there and meet these women. And these women should meet them and get to know them, that you're not just a resume, but you have a face, you have a personality behind that resume. And I think that it was very successful. And and there have been a lot of Shidduchim that have come out of it. And I'll tell you what was also, what's also very nice about being on Adopt a Shachan is it's an incredible network of very special women. And, you know, what's beautiful is that not just are you posting different singles that you want to try to find Shidduchim for, but every time someone makes a Shidduchim, it's announced on the chat and everyone's like so excited for them and it's such a right. big muscle tub you know right. it's such pride and nachas when you're successful and, and you're able to be the shaliyah sure. the messenger to bring these people together so even that alone is such a nice rewarding um part of being you know involved in this initiative so it's, it's and this is cool. and lisa's initiative she had a full-time job but she wanted to try to change the world and there's a lesson for so many people all of us watching is you see something broken, fix it, be part of the solution. And that's how she started this whole thing. You don't go to school, she didn't get a certificate, she wasn't trained, 
but that's how that's how she got it going. And you know, there might be parts of Adapter Shadchan you don't love or her perspective on Shiduchim, and that's true for anybody. You might disagree with me with us, you might disagree with this organization or this effort or this initiative, but there's still so many good things that are happening, and it's only by collaborating we're gonna make a difference. So, what's the glossary and the conversation about Shiduchim that you need to know with some of those terms if you're not as familiar with the Shirach world? Um, what does the word to read a shirach mean? Is to suggest one, is to push one forward. So, to, to, make a shirach, to write a shirach is to set someone up, basically. To make a suggestion. Okay, to and that means from Fred, which is when a friend reads a shirach. So really, we're, we are empowering the younger generation to set up their friends. So friends read. That's a new term also. So shidduch is the is the boy and girl going out on a date, suggesting the boy and girl. Making a shidduch is hopefully finding a couple to come Making together. The red a shidduch is to, to make the suggestion. Okay. That the, the verb to make the suggestion is to read the shidduch. Mm-hmm. Any other terms that are important to know to have this conversation? Um, when you're a shaliach for a shidduch, you're a messenger. When yeah. you are, um, I know what are other what are other. I think uh, I think I think we're good to go. But you know it, we're going to get to in this conversation, and it's really worth listening. Um, unfortunately, Lisa's gone through a lot of tragedy recently, the loss of her brother-in-law, Rabbi Zechariah Wallerstein, and her 33-year-old son died suddenly of a, of a heart attack on an airplane, a father of four children, seven years old and younger, and a nowhere, suddenly healthy, and um, she's still determined, and she's still changing the world, and she's still, it's not slowing her down, there's a lot to learn, we're going to ask her and talk to her about that too, and she's a great source of inspiration, and we're so grateful she's agreed to join us and to go behind the bima. Without any further ado, Lisa Elephant. We are so grateful and excited about the opportunity to go behind the bima with our friend Lisa Elephant. Lisa, thank you for joining us and sharing about your work and about your life and your inspiration. We're very excited to have this conversation. Thank you. So Lisa, let's jump right into Adopt a Sharchan and the Sharchanas work that you do and the community that you work with. How, how did you get started? What motivated you or pushed you to get into, into this? And we can get into specifically the strategy and methodology of Adopt a Sharchan, but just Sharchanas in general. So I, I was and I still am a regular flappish housewife, Baruch Hashem, raising my kids, my family, doing my thing. And I actually just up until recently, I was running a medical practice, an orthopedic practice. And something like just jumped into my lap about 16, 17 years ago, an opportunity, somebody had an idea for someone and they're like, Lisa, you could do this. And I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. But I said, listen, like if I could help, like with the shidduch, like, of course. I got all the information wrong from the age to what he was looking for. Everything about it was wrong. And yet it was it was perfectly right because it worked and they're happily married. And in the Frum community, you know, especially if you if you make one shidduch or even if you don't make a shidduch, if people even hear that you have successfully set up people, all of a sudden you become a shadchan. So people started calling me and I was like, but I'm really not a shadchan. And they're like, but you did, you did this shidduch. I said, you're right. It's true. All right. So I went to CVS and I bought myself a girl notebook and a boy notebook. And after work, I would make my calls and people would call me. And that's literally how I started Um, with no skills, nothing at all, no major knowledge of singles, just a very strong desire to help and to want to be involved in this that just continued to grow. So I want to get into how, how it grew and how Adopt a emerged. But just going back to what you just said, the fact that on paper they weren't meant to be together or someone wouldn't have put them together and yet it worked, what did that teach you about Shiduchim and maybe 
are we are we creating problems by micromanaging or by zooming in or by trying to set up people perfectly on paper whereas if they would simply be able to meet maybe more people would find happiness than when we get in their way yeah well this is kind of what i've been working on for the last you know 14 years of how we need to change a lot of things in the shidduch system because you know resumes are wonderful but resumes just need to be viewed as like pieces of information that somebody was just too lazy to write down or just too time consuming a resume or a picture we can get into that later should not define a person in any what way and people are just getting very hung up on schools and tracks and what they're doing and where they're from and even age and it's causing a lot of shaduchim not to happen which is a big shame and people are starting i mean i saw this trend already many years ago that we were heading down a very dangerous road and unfortunately now you see it as every year when people you know do their surveys or the questionnaires or or different types of gathering intelligence you see that there are just less people getting married and more singles to the pool and what are we doing about it what's going on and my question is just in general i i wanted to just start off with this idea that this world we know th there's no question this world is upside down right it's it's a world we we just we're beyond understanding at any point and most of us, right, all of us, hopefully our bags are packed and ready for Mashiach to come right now, this second. We know the world we're living in is, is we can't figure it out. And from, I'm sure, from the Rabbanus point of view, from the Chinuch point of view, from every point of view, everybody's realizing, like, we have to change the game. We have to change what we're doing because what we're doing in the past is not working now. We need to modify. We need something has to change. And my, my vision has been the same thing for Shaduchim. We've been reading Shaduchim, we've been making Shaduchim, we've been viewing Shaduchim the same way since, since the shtetl, other than the introduction of the resume and the picture. So why is it that everything else is evolving and changing, but yet this whole system with Shaduchim has kind of got to stay the same? So what are some of the things that you're, what are you mixing up? What are you trying to do differently? So what we're doing is we do all different types of events. We do a lot of speed dating events. We do a lot of, we're encouraging people to go to other people for meals. Uh, we call it Be My Guest. We're doing something called fretting. We actually created a new word. Um, fretting means friends, reading friends. Shaduchim, where anybody can send an idea. And if we feel we can get the idea off the ground, we're happy to do it for you and give you all or none of the credit, whatever you want. Um, what the biggest accomplishment that I think, uh, Baruch Hashem, I was Zoha to get going was the Adopt Shachin WhatsApp chat that the Rebetzin is, is proud of. And I'm so honored that she's part of it because she gets to see what goes on literally every single day. You know, we, we close down for Shabbos, obviously, but, um, we're at it literally 24 six. I'm sorry, go back. Yeah. No. And I want to go back to what you were saying before, um, and then I want to say something about the chat. Um, you were saying, which I think is so important for all the listeners to hear, that you were running a medical office, and then you came up with this idea, you made this shidduch, and all of a sudden you became a shachan. And I think that that's a really important point. Before we even get into the whole shidduch system and the issues and bemoan and try to come up with new innovations and ideas, just to talk about that, because I think that that's one great idea 
is the fact that you were a person who was working and this was not even on your radar. And then you took on one shidduch. All of a sudden you made that shidduch. And now you are a shaman. And, um, and I think that connects to the group, the chat, because so many women on that chat did not start out as Khanim, You know, it wasn't their job, wasn't their profession. A lot of them still, even though they're involved in shidduchim, it's still not their main job. They have other you know, jobs and of course their mothers and they're very busy at home and in their lives in general, but they took this on because they just knew that they needed to move the needles. Kind of like what you say all the time um, about outreach. That it can't just be the rabbis doing outreach. You have to have the community members get involved, invite their, you know, their fellow, their neighbors, their coworkers, whatever it is. So here also, we feel, we all just regular Joe Schmoes got involved in Shadokim, set up your neighbors, set up your friend's daughter, set up your daughter's friend we could move the needle. So I just, I thought that was a great point. I know I'm not, there's no question here, but my question is um, how, how did you get this group going? How did everyone hear about you? How did you, what I love about this chat is the diversity. Like I look at that chat, I feel like this chat is going to bring Mashiach. You have women from all walks of life. Interesting. It's also only women. Why well, more women are involved in Shaduchim than men. We could go into that later. But um, how did you, how did you get it started? How did you get all these women involved who all have the same mission and goal that's to me what is so amazing and it makes me so proud to be part of the group how did you get that going so um during a lot of it happened during covid when the world shut down and shaduchim was on hold um two things happened um i had a lot more time on my hands which is sometimes a little dangerous and i also took on a group of singles and we tried something new and innovative, which was wildly, wild, wildly successful, um, where we created a Zoom group and we did speed dating over Zoom and there were actual shaduchim coming from it. And it was an amazing thing. But what I did over COVID is that I reached out to a lot of singles that I was very close to. And I said, tell me which shachanim you enjoy working with. Who's been, who's been on target? Who do you appreciate? And there were so many shachanim that I've never heard of from all over and I specifically reached out to singles from out of town, Chicago, LA, Miami, Boca, uh, everywhere, you name it, Toronto. And slowly I said, I reached out to the Shadchanim and I said, I'm starting something new, a networking chat. Um, it's brand new, it's gonna be groundbreaking. I don't even know where we're gonna go with it, but I know that it's gonna be amazing. Would you like to be a part of it? And everybody said, you know, whoever I asked said, sure. And you came on, you came on much later, Yocheved. I mean, if I would have known you, I would have included you right away. Um, but it was not without its, you know, it was different Shatchanim and many veteran Shatchanim and many more, way more successful than me that, you know, were telling me I have to do it this way and I have to do it that way and don't word it this way and don't word it that way. I'm a very real person. Um, you will always know how I feel about you and I hope that you will let me know how you feel about me I'm not afraid to be criticized and I I work on myself to accept criticism I think like everybody else but I kind of stood my ground with it because I did have a vision for it and I could say now Baruch Hashem it's at least it's been about three years and we just keep growing and growing and this is what gives me like the most nachas, this chat and people are very you know what do you mean or WhatsApp chat this that I don't want my child posted. If I tell, you know, I, I wish the world would know what would go on on this group. It's it's not just even about 
posting your singles. It's about helping each other. It's about supporting each other. It's, it's, it's a place where new initiatives are literally created every day. And I have a lot of great ideas and that's wonderful. But if I didn't have an army and I didn't have a group of women to help me carry it through and see it through, it would just stick there as an idea. So it's really like anytime anything is successful with Adopter Shachin, everybody has a piece in that success. And we've literally, we made, we've made probably over a hundred Shaduchim just from the chat alone. And I think what's groundbreaking about the chat is what I've been encouraging people to do, which is a new fan concept, is for us to share our singles. Like a lot of time we'll meet a single and we've got to think of an idea. And sometimes we just don't know a boy or a girl for that idea and we get frustrated. So no need to get frustrated. Post the resume, post a description. You have now over close to 300 shachanim now that are willing and able to help you. And as great as it is with networking with shachanim from your own community, it's a wonderful thing and it's a wonderful feeling of camaraderie. You still pretty much know all, the same the same singles, the same group. So here you're taking a group of shachanim from LA and New York and five towns. And we all, we know each other already. Like we, we we're on the same chat every day. And even though one day, and not that everybody looks at it 24 seven, but we know we can reach out to each other and say, okay, I'm really stuck on this person. Do you have an idea? Or I'm from Baltimore. And one of the girls I'm very close to is coming into LA for three days. Any ideas? And we're on it. We're totally on it. So A, we're, we're creating the, the idea that it's, it's, we have to share information. We have to share information. B, that we can, changing the way how we can implement ideas. Meaning if you see somebody posted, you know, you can, you can call the other shotgun, you can talk out the idea. One of you reads it here, one of you reads it there. Maybe you start off reading the shadow together and ultimately one of you will take it to the finish line. So it's totally like changing the landscape of you're one shachin, you meet who you meet, and if you don't have an idea, then you move on. No, if you meet somebody and you don't have an idea, here you go. You now have close to 300 people. Someone's going to have an idea. Or if you have a problem, or if you're running into, um, into a barrier with something and you don't know how to handle a certain question, you know that there are people here to reach out to you. And another thing that we're doing on adopt a shachin, especially on this chat, is lately I've been taking younger, more inexperienced shachanim and pairing them up with more seasoned shatchanim so that they can kind of be trained in and learn and have access to more singles so that they can know how to do this properly. You know, there's no shatchan training school. I don't think anybody's born, you know, like sometimes you're born, right? You want to be a doctor. You always wanted to be a lawyer. You wanted to be a firefighter. I don't know if too many people who are born and, you know, when they were 15 years old said, you know what? I, I think I want to be a shatchan. That's what I want to do when I grow up. I've never heard, I've never heard of that. <laughs> so we have to start cultivating this because I'm afraid that in a couple of years, like who, who are we going to have? Because Shaduchim has just become increasingly more difficult, more time consuming and just, just harder. It's, it's a well, really, so really hard me, place to be. I want to jump I, in and ask you, Lisa, but first of all, to reiterate what Yochevet said, which is to be blown away by the fact that you had another full-time job, you had a life and have a life. And yet you're so passionate and you're so devoted and 
and and working on this endlessly it's really it's really amazing and it's not because there's some financial award or a business model that it's a it's a great idea you're really just devoted you saw a problem and you want to be part of its solution and that in itself is a model of so many people who are watching and listening and there's something that bothers you in your community, at work, in life, in your kid's school, yeshiva. So you could either be on the sidelines and fetch about it at your Shabbos table, or you could jump in the game and try to be part of the solution. And I think we see a great example of that. And to reiterate also, you have the point about the diversity. And I know that you work closely and, and we're proud, whether it's why you connects and the 10K Bate Yisrael. And I don't want to start naming because I don't want to leave anyone out. There's so many organizations that collaborate together and should, and they're not competing. And only by working together can they, can they be part of this solution. But I have so many questions I want to ask you, but specifically on what you were just speaking about, what makes a good shadchan? You know, we're using this term as if it is a licensed position, as if somebody got a test or went to school or got a degree. Somebody wants to be a shadchan, is a shadchan, is not a shadchan. If you if you once tried to set somebody up, does that make you a shadchan? What is the very definition of being a shadchan, that you successfully got two people to go out? And and moreover, I know that you're very selective on your group, that there are bad shadchanim and good shadchanim. What's the difference between the two? Who are bad? I don't mean you don't have to name names, although that would get us a lot of people to listen. But I don't mean to name names, but what are the qualities of the profile or the behavior of somebody who is doing a bad job of being a shadchan? What are the qualities and behavior of somebody who's doing a good job of being a shadchan? Who do you keep on your WhatsApp group? What are the criteria to be eligible, to be a team player, to be on the group? And who are what are some of the behaviors that you've had to take people off the group or not allow them to join the group? So what is this shadchan that we're talking about? What what qualifies somebody to be a shadchan? Are there people who are out of their lane and they really don't belong giving that kind of advice or counsel or therapy and they're doing much more than what they should be doing considering there's no training? What is a shadchan? What are the, what are the qualities of a good shadchan versus a bad shadchan? And what are the criteria to be the kind of shadchan who's part of your network and on your WhatsApp group? And just to add to that, what is the role of a shachan? Because that has also evolved through the years. Shachanim do a lot more and different things nowadays than they did even 10, 20 years ago, like when we were dating over 20 years ago. So that's also a good part of the, good part of the question. Okay. You got all that, Lisa? <laughs> I got all of that. And for the record, that question was not on the approved list. So now that's I'm true. really flying solo. Okay. Sorry. But I'm going to try to answer as best as I can. So... Number one for me to be a good shadchan in, in, in my book is you have to be willing and able to be a good listener. It drives me bananas when I will go with a group of shadchanim and we'll be meeting people and within 40 seconds, someone's like, oh my God, I have an idea. Really? She didn't even say what she wants to do with herself. How could you have an idea? Listen. Listen to what the person is saying. Listen to what she wants. Whether you think it's realistic or not realistic, we can touch on that later. Be a good listener. Let the single know that you hear what they have to say. Maybe they're going to end up with something totally different, or maybe you're going to read them something totally different, but they have to know that they were heard. Um, that's number one. Number two is if you're listening properly, then you should, your ideas should be on target with what the person is asking for. If the person is asking for A, <clears throat> don't read somebody B, at least in the beginning. Okay, this is like a relationship. So you have to listen, you have to be somewhat on target. And my real, real pet peeve is you have to know when to push and when you're being out of control pushy. 
because nobody's interested in a pushy, naggy shopping. Um, I, I cringe when some of my singles will call me and they say a shotgun spoke to them and told them you're being too picky. You need to lose weight. You need to this. It is not about you. It's about them. If you think you can help them, that's, that's one of the most awesome feelings in the world to be able to make somebody shidduch or to help them on their journey. There are many, many shadchanim in this world that will help a single Right, and they'll read them shidduchim for years, and then all of a sudden, but a different shachan will swoop in with the perfect idea, and they made that person shidduch. But at the end of the day, the shachan still did her job. It's not about the end result, it's not about how Shem decides who the shaliach is. But if you were a good support system for this single and a good sounding board for this single, then you did your job as a shachan. <clears throat> a shachan to me, definition is somebody who will be a good advocate and help a person <clears throat> successfully get to the chuppah. That is my definition of a shachan. So that, that's the definition of a shachan, meaning somebody who's trying, who's working on it is a shachan. And are we, are we giving too much power, too much credit, too much authority? Is that why people are leaving their lane? Because they're, they're not just staying within that role, but they're trying to play other roles? And I know this wasn't on the approved list, so you can you can punt it. But meaning, do we have shadchanim who are acting like so-called dating? Is a dating coach a trained position? You're giving therapeutic advice and starting to get into issues of mental health and relationships. People go to school for a long time. They get trained in that. Some instinctively are more attuned. We all have friends we go to for advice because they have a lot of inherent wisdom. But here, are we taking on a lot of responsibility? Does a shadchan need to stay in their lane? Big time. Big time stay in your lane. We just finished a three-month, uh, we did a coaching uh, pilot program so that people understood the importance of a coach and the importance of knowing when to utilize a coach, which in my opinion, everybody should have a coach. Don't be in a position where you're out dating somebody too long that you should have maybe have dropped you know, two or three dates ago, or don't be in a position where you're he's ready to propose or she's ready to get engaged and you're totally not on the same page. So what we did was we subsidized, we actually got the shop and paid for the first three sessions to get people, whether it's financially or whether they just weren't comfortable with an idea of a coach. And we did this for three months and we invested a lot of our own fundraise money for it. And it was a huge, huge success. And part of it was also a message to Shachanim that, yes, stay in your lane and know at a certain point when you should be giving this over to a coach because you have Nagias. You're the Shachan, you have Nagias. The single, the, the people involved in the, in the Shadach, they should, there has to be a person other than their parent, other than the Rebbe, other than the Mora, other than the Shachan that they need to speak to that has absolutely no Nagias to this. And I'm not devaluing. Yes, it's very important to have a relationship with a Rebbe and a teacher and, and all that 100%. But sometimes you need a coach, I think most of the times. And I think one of the biggest problems today that we have, um, which I guess we'll get to in a minute, because that was one of the approved questions, was knowing how to utilize a coach, when to utilize a coach, and how to know when, how to have the tools to, to how to have the tools needed to 
go on a successful date from the beginning and carry it over and get to the end, get to the end end game, because there are a lot of very intelligent, beautiful, smart, learned, 24, 25, 26 year olds that are just, I feel did not have the proper tools when they started dating. And now they're kind of like stuck in this dating cycle. And it's very hard to snap out of it. It's very hard for them to to wrap it up. It's very hard for them to say, well, I dated already 22 girls. So why is 23 so amazing? Like I'm not seeing fireworks. I'm not madly in love with her. So why is it her? I'm just going to wait for the next one. And we're going down a very slippery slope with that. And a coach can definitely help you identify certain things very, very early on. And to clarify, the coach is not making the decisions for you because people need to have confidence and trust themselves and their instinct. The coach may be helping that person learn to trust themselves, learn to listen to their inner voice, stop telling themselves the story that's holding them back and that kind of thing. And in terms of who can qualify to be in your network and on your group, um, what's the type of behavior that you say, this is a great addition to our group? And and have you ever had to remove people from the WhatsApp? What's the type of thing that would make you concerned about someone being part of it? So if I get negative feedback from a single, um, there are just certain things that I just can't and won't tolerate, such as somebody telling them you're not being realistic, you're being too picky, you're, the, the interaction with a shotgun has to be positive. Now, you might say, I can't set this person up, I have nobody for her, and I'd rather you tell somebody, okay, right now I don't have any ideas for you, if I have an idea, I'll be in touch versus you giving them your opinion on why they're being so unrealistic. Um, That to me, a single has to be made to feel good. And that's not in your lane. That's not your shotgun role to let that single know what you think she or he is doing wrong. What, what, what also, sorry, also not being responsive and not following up. If you have an idea or you read a shidduch and the single has a question or the parents have a question and all of a sudden you're not available. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be available via phone call all the time, but you have to be responsive to whether the, the other shachan that you're working with on the idea with, whether it's being responsive to the single. Like if you're a shachan, all right, and you're going on a cruise to, um, I don't know where, all right, Hawaii, whatever, for two, three weeks, you're, you're allowed to, but you can't just disappear and be off the grid, have somebody else take over your dates for you. You can't just be non, you know, off the grid. You just have to be very responsive. So these are like things, it's like a responsibility. And what we're actually coming out with, and this is the, you can hear about it here first, as I've been working over the last couple of months, with a, um, a coaching program, as well as a few people, we are formulating a curriculum for Shachanim, which is going to hopefully be available within the next month, where any Shachan that wants to be affiliated and endorsed by Adopt a Shachan, which I personally think is a wonderful thing, has to take this course. It's probably going to be about four or five modules. You can take it as you want, and when you finish them, you know, then you will be an approved adopter shachan shachan. And in addition, we are also going to be offering um, adopter shachan cannot certify coaches, but we are certifying, we are able to partner up with the ICCF, which is the International Coaching 
um, school that can certify you and you will be able to become a certified coach as a result of these two um, of these two programs. And we want to yeah, so we're very, very excited because this will be a very good way also to ensure that we're kind of all on the same page with how to read Shadduchim and how to know when to push things and how to know when to give things over to somebody else and when to involve a Rav and when to involve a coach and all these kind of things that really, you know, up until now, we've had to just kind of like muddle through on our own. And hopefully this course will be able to give people a lot more direction. So why, why do you think, because with all this talk, it just sounds like the Shachan's jobs have definitely become more evolved. There's more going on. There's more that they're responsible for. I mean, just being on a chat, I see that very often we're trying to find out if anyone has any good date ideas, places to go to. Um, I mean, and I don't like sounding like this old lady who's a dinosaur. Um, it wasn't that long ago that I was dating and I dated a, a, lot, a decent amount of guys and I was in that dating scene for a, a year and a half about whatever it was. Um, and I don't remember any of this. I, I It was really more friends setting up, parents, friends setting up. I, I met with maybe one shachin too when I was dating then, uh, you know, and, and, and the boys that I dated were coming up with their own dates, were, you know, figuring out when they wanted to drop the shachin. Like it was very much like we were kind of determining these decisions and really running the show when did it turn that it became like the adults are kind of like running the show now whether it's a shock and the dating coach the parent the mothers the you know the rebellion whatever to when it was the actual singles who were guiding and running and this might be a, an unfair question to ask in this forum i don't know who and i know this is a big question that's been going on now a big discussion i'm just like trying to understand that and you know either of you could answer what what you think Well, my personal opinion is I think that this is a symptomatic of what has been the problem for the, the last couple of years is that we are coddling our children so much that they are incapable of making even basic decisions. And that's why I will send people when people ask me, you will never see me. And if you do see me, Yochavid, please remind me of this conversation. I will never post on the chat. Where is good for the, a fourth date um, near Edison? No, that's not your job. Let him ask his friends. Let him figure it out. There are dating sites. Um, there's Shuduk Shuk. There, there are a lot of different places where all they have to do is Google, or if they don't have internet, they can make a phone call. There are people who have game gamachs, and you have to figure it out. So here we are, where not only they're asking us where to go for dates, and we expect this couple to be able to make a decision on if they want to get married. So I think that's a huge problem. And it really irks me and bothers me when they ask a on these questions. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Lisa. And, and I think that I'll use an even stronger word. I think we're emasculating the next generation because, and, and you may disagree with me parts of this, but from the fact that the mommy goes through the resumes and tells her son who to go out with, tells him where to pick her up and what to do on the date, probably lays out his clothing for him. And then, you know, there's pressure to help him decide whether he wants to marry her. And then when they're engaged, the Rebbe sets the Gedarim that says you can only talk at this frequency and see each other on this occasions, by the way, which are, which is good because, you know, we didn't date 
in the age of technology and who knows how obsessed you could be in texting and FaceTiming and you, it can be disruptive to the natural progression of the relationship. So I agree there needs to be some boundaries to how the relationship progresses, but we're kind of excluding the primary people from these decisions. And then, and, and this really is the same question that you're asking, Yechavit, what happens the morning after the wedding when mommy's not there to help you navigate the conversation, the relationship, what you want for breakfast? Did you put your plate? Did you put your socks in the hamper? The Rebbe's not there for the Gedarim of how much you should be at home, how much you need to talk, how much you get to be at yeshiva or out with your friends. So we're not using what is this pivotal time period to help teach responsibility, ownership, consequence, accountability. And instead, we're doing the opposite. We're saying all those components of marriage, you just get the fun, which is how big a band do you want? Which star singer are you going to have? Did we pick out your tie or how many shaitals are you going to wear You know, with the wedding? And all that fun and glamour, but the actual, the hard work of owning your own decision, trusting your own judgment, regulating your feelings and frequency of that were taken away. And, and I agree 100% Lisa. I think we're going to be left with an emasculated generation who it's, it's sort of our fault, don't know how to take responsibility, ownership, make decisions. But how do we turn back that clock? How do we make things the way they were? It's not going to happen overnight and and not sure exactly how to do it. Do you, do you think boys should be involved in, in also choosing who to go out with next? Is this something to really delegate to mom altogether? And in some cases, the father too. And what role then do pictures play in it? I know you've been part of the, the Nix the Picks and trying to get the pictures out. Many of them are Photoshopped. They're professionally taken. They're not necessarily reflective of what people actually look like. Then people are making decisions for the wrong reason. There's a couple engaged in our community. They're not, they're not young, but they'd gone to a speed dating and it was somebody he met but didn't feel attracted to and have an interest with at the speed dating and following because she met him and they were, there was something she needed help with that he had an expertise and she said, can I meet you for coffee? Just can you help me with an issue that I'm having, a technical, um, let's call it computer program issue. And he said, sure. And then that coffee led to another and led to another. And then he decided, you know, I'm really attracted to her because I've come to get to know her. So if he would have seen her picture on a resume, never would have entertained it, but was in a room and met, which led to a coffee. And now they're, and now they're engaged. So the whole emasculation and, and should boys be involved in choosing who to go out with? And, and how does that impact the question of whether pictures should be on? Okay. So I think it's really dependent on age. I think boys that are just starting, um, 100% the mothers should be completely and totally in charge of doing the research. Um, very, very anti-picture, but I'm also very realistic. And, you know, we did try the Nix the Picks initiative, which was successful in terms of that people who weren't sensitive to it became a little bit more sensitive to it and who now think twice about showing the picture to their son. So I don't see a problem where if you're a mom and you want a picture, so get the picture. But why are you showing it to your son? Why does he have it on his phone? Why can I meet a boy and he'll show me 20 pictures that he just got from Shachanan? From Shachanan, by the way, who tell me, oh, we don't send out pictures. Really? I don't think so. So that's number one. Um, and then you're creating this that if he doesn't find Shaduch, right, like within the first two, three years of when mommy and daddy are handling the Shaduchim, and then he starts becoming more involved, as he should, in his own Shaduchim, they don't know, there's no way, like, you send the resume, so where's the picture next? And the picture is so unrealistic. Um, so we're creating this whole situation, which I think if mommy just looked at the picture and didn't share with her son because he is brand new and yeah, leave it to mommy to handle the research, 
and all that, because then what's happening is, is that the boys and the girls are also doing this. They're sharing all this information so that when I call now Schleimi Schwartz and I tell him, oh my gosh, I have an amazing idea. Naomi Singer. He's like, oh, Naomi Singer. My friend just went out with her. I saw her picture. I saw her resume. Okay. So she wasn't for your friend. No, no. I heard the name already. I need something new. I need something new. I need something fresh. Like everybody now is very busy with the girls that are coming home. Like literally they just landed. They don't even know what they're having for breakfast tomorrow. They don't know what they even want to do with their life, but their should have resume is out there roaming, circulating. That makes no sense to me either. But back to the topic, I think in the beginning, the parents should be involved. The son, you know, the boys should not be, if they're learning, if they're working, let them be busy with what they're doing and let mom handle it. Hopefully it'll work out for the best. And mom, please don't show the picture. Please, I beg of you. If it continues on and the guy has to handle it himself, there's a certain point where mom has to take a step back and maybe she wasn't doing such a great job. Maybe she was kind of channeling her own wants and feelings and maybe sometimes unrealistic expectations. And that's why he didn't get married right away. So, or it wasn't shared or whatever it is. But in the beginning, I feel parents should be involved. And at a certain point, I think if a boy's been in Shaduchim for more than like two years already, I think it's time for him to take control a little bit more of the situation. Just to clarify, Dr. Shadchan is not, people might associate it more with a yeshiva community, yeshivish community. But I know that there's a lot of diversity, like Yechevet said, in terms of who's on the WhatsApp and who you're setting up. Are you seeing the same trends in the, call it the YU world and the yeshiva world, the yeshiva light world of the parents' involvement and pictures? And, you know, it used to be that there was sort of a line that the more YU world or called the modern Orthodox world had one way of doing this. And But I'm seeing, at least in our community, in the phone calls that we get, that there's a lot more that it's just spreading universally across. Whatever are the trends or the trends that are impacting, is that what you're seeing too? Yeah. Yeah. We're seeing the same, we're seeing the same trends. Now, another groundbreaking initiative that Adopter Shachin does is we created a, a website, a database, I'm sorry, a database where only Shachanim can view the singles profile. So it's not like you can see anybody's information uh, until you get a yes. And when I came out with it, um, there was a lot of hesitation, a lot of pushback on it because it's something new. I don't want my child going into a, a database and I would explain to them it's, it's here's where your child can get a little bit more attention in an organized way with a computer algorithm. And we're actually, my next plan is over the next couple of months also to upgrade the website and update the database and make it like more user-friendly and people just need to be open-minded. And I'm not saying try every harebrained idea that they hear about, but this is something that we're doing to try to address in 2023, and it's been going very well, and just being open-minded, whether you're more Modax, more yeshivish, or whatever it is, we have all different types of shachanim from all over the country um, who are actively working as volunteers, by the way, on this database, and it's been very, very successful. So this is also another avenue that Adopt a Shachan has been opening up. YU has something like this. But Adopt a Shachin has a little bit of a different, um, attracts a little bit of a different crowd and also has a little bit of a different way, um, a little bit more of a hands-on approach because we are newer and we're smaller, we're able to do that. Um, but we are looking to grow and we, we definitely overlap 
um, with a lot of people on Why You Connect, but we're, we're looking to grow and be more independent as a Dr. Shadchan with excellent you know, technology and well-trained Shadchanim. And this is also another new way of reading Shadchan, which is a little bit out of the box, but new times call for new ideas. And I think that the more people that are open to it, um, the more successful you know, it's going to be. And my hope is in years to come, I mean, obviously, hopefully, Mashiach is coming today, but until he does, I just think we just need to be more open-minded as parents, as communities, Rabbanim, to just different avenues of reading Shaduchan, because the same way that we keep doing things, it's, we can stick to this, you know, we can definitely not throw away the old, but we need to bring in the new too. Do you ever wonder you're pushing the envelope too far on the new? Who do you... Uh... How to make sure that you're not going to push the envelope too far. For example, I know that Adopt the and you do things that even in, you might say, the YU world, they're hesitant to do or that the people won't participate in to bring young young men and women together because we don't do that. You have to set them up on a date. You can't create a social event. Does Adopt the do singles events, uh, singles Shabbatones? How, how, how do you know that on the one hand, you can't get stuck in the past, we've got to innovate, but how do you stop yourself from pushing too far in a way that that people will push back. There is nothing, there's nothing that Adopt a does, absolutely nothing that is without Das Torah. Every single thing is run by numerous Rabbanim from Rabbi Leif, Rabbi Schiffenbauer, Rabbi Reisman, I, I can go, Rabbi Brudney, I can, I can go down the list with you. There's absolutely nothing that we do that has not been run by Das Torah. Now, I'm not going to tell you that every single innovation we've come out with, like I thought um, wedding reading would be extremely popular, which is basically downtime after the chuppah, before the first dance, having shachanim meet singles at the wedding, maybe introducing them depending on the age. And that hasn't been such a popular idea. People, you know, again, because it's different, because it's new, it's going to take away from the chasen kala. We don't push like we don't push any envelopes like it's out there it's available to you if you want to take advantage of it great if you don't want to it's also great but there's in terms of speed dating events we try to also and i think that differentia differentiates us from many other um speed dating events that take place we always are very cognizant of keeping age ranges you know within a certain amount of years like you'll never see an adopt a shock an event anybody who's 24 to 44 is invited right so the 20 so the girl who said she's 24 but really she's 23 and the guy who said he's 44 but he hasn't seen 44 in 10 years could be at the same event that will not happen at least you know under my watch under my organization there's no way and sometimes it's hard to say no to people but you have to learn how to say no and you know you don't i i have a lot of people that you know have tightness to me we, we just launched, um, Leila Nishmas, my son Chaim, we launched a beautiful, beautiful initiative um, called Simcha Sachaim, where we are pairing up Shadchanim with Yisomos, and um, we are offering financial incentives um, for them. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful project. And I've gotten already quite a few WhatsApps of, oh, that's really, really nice that you're helping Yisomim. But what about living Yisomim? What about people whose parents are not involved in their Shaduchim? And what about this, this, and that? And I'm thinking, you're right. 
it's it's very difficult for people who's don't have parents that can help him, you know, that can help them with Shaduchim, but this initiative is for this group of people. So it's just like, you're never going to make everybody happy and everybody is going to have tightness on you. And you might, you know, I know that I literally spend at least 14 to 15 hours of my day between the chat and between different initiatives and trying to read Shaduchim. And I might go to sleep at night feeling all good about myself, but at the end of the day, I'm always going to get that zinger or that phone call or that text that's like really, and I know the person is writing it out of pain and, you know, maybe I messed up and maybe I, you know, by mistake hurt somebody and, and I'll apologize to them right away. I really try, but people have to understand that like we're doing, we're doing the best we can. And I've come to understand that I can't make everybody happy. And I also understand that sometimes the more negative pushback I get on certain ideas, I got a lot of negative pushback on the coaching initiative I got a lot of negative. I mean, I was compared to Hitler for doing next the picks. And, you know, when I called my, my Rav and I said, okay, maybe I'm pushing this envelope too far. Maybe I'm going too far with the next the picks. And he said, Lisa, if what you were doing wasn't so important and so needed, you wouldn't get that kind of reaction. He goes, if you're doing something and you get a reaction like, oh, that's so nice. That's so sweet. That's so wonderful. He goes, it's a nice thing, but like big deal. He goes, when you're getting certain types of reactions that are completely and totally inappropriate, you know you're doing the right thing. I, I share that sentiment. I, I think that that's true. What what role do you think there is in, in research? Is the research out of control that people are doing? I don't think it's helpful because I just, I, I think the kind of things that people want answers to, they're not going to hear honesty from, whether it's the boy or girl's friends who are not going to ruin their relationship with their friend, to be too honest, whether it's the rub who's not going to start talking about the medicine, not that the Rav knows the medicines in their medicine cabinet in their bathroom, or if the family did go through something that was confidential, they're not going to breach the confidentiality. What are the kind of questions and what kind of research is useful, helpful, reasonable? And, and what's some of this that's gotten out of control? So I leave a lot of that responsibility in terms of, because I know I do it. Um, when I read a shutoff, usually both sides, I will go to them and I will say, are there any... Um, mental or physical conditions that they should, you know, that the other side needs to know. Now, if someone's on medication, um, some rabbanim will, <clears throat> will say you have to let them know up front, depending on what it is. And some will say after three dates. And that's what we have to believe in. We, we believe in Das Torah. So somebody's going to have to decide you know what they if, if they get so most of the time the answer is everybody's healthy everybody's good um and sometimes it'll be after a third date the other side will have to disclose something i don't think it should be longer than the third date i think that asking like annoying very interrogative questions will not get you the answers that you want um it's you know people are very proud of themselves that they found somebody to call off the resume but guess what? If the person's off the resume, maybe that person didn't get along with that other person. Maybe she doesn't really like her. So you're all proud of yourself. You're calling her for information, but maybe the information you're getting is not correct. So I think that also got a little skewed of like people being very careful not to call anyone on the resume. Mm -hmm. um, I do believe that if you are on the resume, you do have to be truthful. Um, you do have to be truthful. I believe, though, you know, we have to also, and that's part of 
parents learning how to do their job of what type of questions to ask, who to ask it to, and what to see when your child comes home after the first or second date. Like what, what are they coming home with? What are the discussions about? And are they touching on important topics? Just a PSA, I think it's important also to touch base with those references because very often, like Lily put on a resume and we didn't know that we were, and we didn't know what that symbol that kid is up to. We, I might have known them in high school, but you know, where are you now? What are you looking for? So we can answer those questions properly. So I think all references deserve a, would it be okay to put you on my resume? Here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm up to. Here's what I'm looking for. If you could help me with this, it would be great. And I, I think that's just a, a PSA I wanted to throw in. What do you think about the, uh, the friends being on the resume. I, the, the, you know, that's something that I feel very uncomfortable with when you're calling these single friends about this single that you're looking into for your child who could potentially date your child and you're putting them in a funny position where they have to talk about their friend, their roommate, their chavusa, whatever it is, but really this could be someone who's potential for them and they're single. So how do, how do you feel about that? That's a new trend also. I think it's very important actually to call friends because friends, you know, you, that's the only way that you're really going to get an insight into Midos. Um, you know, if you're a friend on the resume, you definitely should be able to give over whether it's a certain story or a certain description that will give the other person insight. You know, if you're a Chavusa, like, you'll know if the guy comes on time, you'll know if he's focused, you'll know if he's responsible. Um, Are you really going to do friend. that? You call the guy's Chavrusa and the guy comes late every day. He's going to say, well, if you must know, he comes late every day. And then the Shidduch gets next and your Chavrusa comes back to you and says, did you get a call and say that I'm late every day? Is that And, and this boy, you can't even choose who he should go out with because his mother has to choose, but he's a reference for someone else? Well, it's, 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 it's a tough call, but how else is a parent going to get that honest type of information? You know, but, most friends says, that are... Won't, won't they get it? I understand. Won't they get it? This is how it used to happen. If they called the date for 6 p.m. and the guy came at 6.20, she now knows that he's a guy who's late. Isn't that how you're going to get to know the person? Chavrus is not moving in with you guys. Yeah, but if you if you sell yourself that you're a learning boy and you're missing kind of like half a first seder, I'd rather them find out about it now versus, you know, the morning after Shabbat Rachas and you can't, said person can't get out of bed. Yeah, but the Chavus is not disclosing that, nor is the roommate, nor is they, they don't want to put the... Is the roommate messy? Is the roommate organized? I mean, there are definitely, you know, seemingly harmless questions that could, or, or at least kind of like let it sit in back of your mind and just see if it comes out on the date. It could be that the guy is punctual and everything, and maybe he just needs that kick in the pants, and then he's going to show up and he's going to be on time and, and be responsible, but... I think that these are important pieces of information that you're not going to get from anybody else other than friends. I know. Just come back to your first story of the couple that you set up. What if this girl thought she could never live with a guy who's not completely as neat as she is, but it turns out because she met him, they hit it off. They got married. She had a very happy marriage with him, but she would have nixed it because you called the Chavrusa who's himself immature, not even dating yet. His mommy's setting him up, but he said, He's messy. Like, aren't we adding, this is what you started with. We're adding all these barriers. We're adding all of these things that people are nixing and nixing and nixing and girls are waiting and waiting by a phone and they're getting no after no after no because we added so many layers of, of barriers, of expectations that everything's got to check off. Everybody's got to sound perfect. Everyone has to have full disclosure. Isn't that, isn't that perpetuating the problem? So I'm not saying that these shaduchim should be nixed because of this information. 
I'm just saying that it is helpful to talk to friends just to get a picture, a picture in your head. And most roommates will not say that their roommate is messy unless the person really is disgustingly messy, in my opinion. And it's just good to speak to friends just to get a general idea. And again, I think it's also very important when you're doing research not to be nitpicking or looking for negative. Look for positive. Like you want to hear positive things. Like people who call me up, you know, and ask me like, um, you know, would you let your daughter or your son date him or her? Like, don't go down that road. Like, let's talk about Let's hear positive things from people that are close to them. And what might be important to you is totally not important to me. So you have to ask well thought out questions. And maybe your child is OCD and maybe your child does need somebody neat and this and that. And, and it's important to your child. And maybe it's very important for you as parents who are going to be fully supporting this couple. And you want to know if this caboose is coming on time. Now, I'm not saying that these are reasons to say no, but I think it's it's important. And that's where we have to draw the line of getting a basic understanding, getting a basic picture of the boy or girl, and then allowing them to go out, you know, assuming everything else more or less sounds healthy and good, and then make your own decision. But what, what's I see more too, many people, too many people going into Shadokim totally blind, and then all of a sudden we're having a lot of broken engagements and things like that because things weren't disclosed from the beginning. That's fair. That's fair. What's, what do you find or see being more successful, the speed dating you're doing or the, or the shidduchim that you're setting up? And I ask only because it's interesting because in the speed dating, even though you may choose who's in the room, so there is a certain level of, of vetting, but the speed dating, you've done no research. You don't know anything about the person. You haven't spoken to their roommate, their chavrusa, their camp counselor. You're just meeting them for the whatever few minutes and deciding whether you want to get them no more. So it's an interesting side-by-side -side contrast. Do you see more success or more interest in continuing to get to know someone out of speed dating or out of the shidduchim that are set up when they finally say yes after research? So from the younger, younger division, I would say like 19 to 25, I don't really even encourage speed dating until you've hit that age because, or really 19 to 24, because for most people, traditional should have dating with the right tools, et cetera, should, should work. It should work. Um, it's when you get to like 24, 25 and up, that's when I suggest the speed dating and Adapter Shachin does the vetting for you. So even though you don't know who's coming, I know who's coming and I've checked him or her out. Um, at least initially enough for them to come to my event. So there is a vetting at the speed dating. It's I encourage all different types and stripes to sign up and I try to have new people join the speed dating events, but I'm very, very careful. And I know that if somebody has a certain name or a certain whatever it is or something that I know, I, I tell them, thank you so much, but this event is not for you. So there's definitely, and I can't say that for other speed dating events, but the speed dating events that I put together literally take me days to put together and i'm doing i'm taking responsibility for the initial vetting interesting so we know now about the what shachanim are up to what would you recommend to singles vis-a-vis -vis the shachanim or the people who are trying to set them up what would what could they do that would make um it easier for people to set them up what they could communicate what they could how could they make the whole process easier or how could they advocate for themselves better? What could they do to help the whole singles scene and what's going on these days? Great question. So I always tell the singles, you have to be positive. You have to give off a positive vibe. 
if you're going to meet somebody and you're going to be negative and you're going to be burnt out, the chakra is going to pick it up and it's not, it's not going to be a great relationship. Even if you're not feeling it, be positive, be hopeful. If you're meeting a new shachin, it's a new opportunity to present yourself. Be, you know, I tell my singles, be responsive. If a shachin reads out to you and you don't think it's a good idea, I'm not saying that you owe her or him a very lengthy explanation of why it's not, but be responsive. If we're taking out the time to make a suggestion to you, answer, just answer. Like we don't like to feel like we're just in a black hole. Um, just being very involved and being seen. And before I went on this podcast, actually, I spoke to one or two singles that I'm very, very close to, um, because I also have like a very unique way with dealing with singles. And I, I kind of like, I view them as obviously people that I want to marry off, but there's so much more than that. It's like, I want to help them on their journey. I want to help them feel loved and cared for by their community. Don't just look at a single as like, oh my gosh, here's this guy in shul. He's 27 years old. He's so good looking. He has a great job. We need to find him. We need to find him a girl. 100%. He needs a shidduch. But you know what? He might also need a meal. He might also need a job. He might also just need someone to talk to. So we also have to, I want to change the, um, the landscape on also how people view, you know, these girls are amazing. They have amazing talents. They have amazing jobs. Um, a lot of the initiatives that come out of adopt a are a result of me networking with these singles. From my website to my events, they, they give me total input. What ages we should do. They do the graphics. And this way they feel part of the process and they feel like they are helping to bring about change. So it's a wonderful feeling. It's a wonderful feeling for Dr. Shachan because we're doing all these things, but I'm directly networking with them. And this is like a real message from them to Shachanim, to community, to, to anybody. View us as regular people, not just as something like, oh my God, I need to think of an idea for this person. Yes, they want to get married, but they're, they're people, they have so much to give and they just want to be accepted and feel part of the community. There's so much more than the marital status. Yeah, that's for sure. That's an issue. Let's, first of all, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all that you're doing for Kalal Yisrael. And, and we have personal gratitude. We're proud that BRS has partnered with Adopt Shadchan, Yocheved, and several others work together and have their own WhatsApp group and meet and had a Meet the Shadchan night that went till literally two in the morning. That's how many singles came from all over South Florida. And the fact that they can be plugged in and networking with your 300 other Shadchanim means they're not just getting to know and representing and advocating for the singles they've met only among themselves. They're, they're plugged into the bigger network and we're we're grateful to be able to, to partner with you and to benefit. But I want to change gears as we wind down for these last few minutes. And, and with your permission, um, you know, go to a, a place that's that's very tragic and sad and painful. And that's the loss that you've suffered recently. Whether it's your brother-in-law, Rabbi Zechariah Wallerstein, who was in, had an enormous impact on, on Kala Yisrael and is, and is a big loss. And obviously uh, your son, for those who don't know, 32 years old and, and a father of four, children seven and under and unexpectedly and suddenly and what a tragic tragic loss and yet for those and, and no one knows what's in your heart no one knows what's happening behind closed doors but the way that you've steadfastly remained dedicated to adopt a shachan and to the work that you're doing and channeling into new initiatives and energy and 
many people otherwise would be suffering and grieving and struggling, and I'm sure you are also, where does that will come from? Where does that resolve come from? Where does that faith come from to, to not give up on Hashem or His children, but to even double down on trying to help repair the world in the memory of the people that you've lost? So, um, okay, this is a loaded question, but um, so let me just compose my thoughts a second. Um, so I'm going to be brutally honest and my children will probably yell at me for oversharing, but I believe that this, you know, even if this helps one person, then I'm okay with it. Um, so I'd always, in my mind, like made a deal with Hashem that I'm going to take care of your children. I will take care of as many of your children as I can and just give an extra watch over mine. Like have my, have my kids back. And that was a deal that I made with Hashem. And, and I thought that it was a, I thought that it was a two-way deal. I thought that it was, it was a done deal. And <clears throat> my brother-in-law happened, which was beyond, beyond no words. There are still no words. And we were just starting to process that. And then Chaim was nifter. Suddenly, no warning, nothing. A healthy father in the prime of his life just taken. And what had happened, the first thing that came to my mind was we had a deal. We had a deal. And I... I was shattered, shattered, broken. I mean, I still am shattered and I still am broken, but every day we try. And when I was on the flight from New York to LA, I was just trying to reconcile this with myself because I said, I don't want to be angry at Hashem because that's not going to, that's not going to help anything at all. And then I sat there and I thought about it and it came to me that Hashem did keep his deal. He did keep up his end of the deal. Because my son fulfilled his tafket and he had to take him. But how did he take him? He took him on a plane when he was sleeping and then he was gone. And they tried to revive him. They tried everything they could. And in today's day and age, he could have been revived possibly, right? And he could have been brain dead or a vegetable for the rest of his life and I don't know what kind of life that would have been so the more I thought about it the more that I realized that he did it and it was really Diana MS because it was his time and the way that he took him I was so grateful for and this is for another podcast because it's actually an incredible incredible story which I'll tell you another time which how he was nifter on a plane and they, they landed the plane in New Orleans, which is one of the least Jewish friendly cities um, today. And here you have a healthy 33 year old man who just died on a plane. And if you thought that they were just going to let that body go without any red tape or anything, and literally he was back in LA by the wee hours of the morning. So Hashem really did everything with the utmost <clears throat> rachmanis and care. And I said, okay, 
he's keeping his end of the deal and I'm still keeping to mine. And over the Shiva, my brain just kept going and going and going. And, and one of the things that I did, and I, and I know that a lot of people, other people do it as well. I'm not saying that I'm super special or that I discovered America, but one of the things that was very important to me was while I was sitting Shiva to have people do things in his fuss and do mitzvahs for him and chasadim for him. And it was just so gratifying that people took out the time to WhatsApp me, to text me. I even had a Google form. I still have a Google form going out with over a thousand people on it from people who literally daven mincha, who were, you know, made set time to learn, took on mishnayas, from people who saying, I'm going to be more careful with my kashras. I'm going to be more careful covering my hair. It's just an amazing, amazing thing. And that shows, shows to me that like, they're not forgetting about Chaim and that his legacy will live on. And that even though I'm down here and he's not here from down here, we can all just create tzchoyas for him and just alias for him. And to me, that's just the biggest nechama um, that I can get. So, you know, when people ask me, like, how could you go on? Like, I'm just keeping my end of the deal. Like, I have a deal and I'm going to keep my deal. And I'm just going to keep this deal till Mashiach comes. And even though I don't understand why it happened, um, I'll know, you know, after Mashiach, I'll know why it happened. But I, I trust and I know in my heart that Hashem did what he had to do um, out of love. And that's, that's a message that I just want to give over to anybody who is, and this loss is, is, I don't wish this on anybody. And people reach out to me who've lost spouses and <clears throat> grandchildren and all types of things. But, you know, I can tell you, like, I feel for you and everything, but I can't imagine that there's anything worse in this world than losing a child. And, um, I just feel very grateful to Hashem that he planted these seeds of giving me and my singles that who I love so much and my who I love so much that just are helping me to realize my dream and my goal, which is just to make more Shadduchim happen and make, just bring more awareness to Klal Yisrael and to help you sell them. And we have a lot of other amazing things and that I'm just able to be busy with this and that I have this to pull back on and to just be back bigger and stronger with it. Thank you for sharing that. And um, we're sending so much comfort and, and love and strength to you. This is only a few months ago. People listening might think it was a long time ago. And, and we know that even while you were sitting Shiva, you were making sure that the dates that you had set up had other people they could talk to, even as you had the right and the whole world would have understood if you turned inward to think about yourself and your family, you were dedicated to this cause and to those people. And that says so much about you. So we're just sending so much strength and comfort and, and also doing things in Chaim's memory and we'll continue to do so. And we thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your your being genuine about this and all these topics. And thank you for your work for Klai Yisrael, Adopt the and so much more. And Hashem should just fill your heart, should bring Mashiach, and we should be reunited. And until then, should give you only Simcha and only the best of every. Thank you, Lisa. And just Amen. Thank you. You're such an inspiration to so many people. Everything that you do, all the initiatives, and you're a beacon of strength and of hope and of love. And all of us who work with you and are involved and know you are just 
we're so grateful to you for your leadership and for all that you do and, and for inspiring us all in all of our Tafkidim in life and to do things that we have potential to do and to act on it. And we just want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being part of it. That was amazingly insightful. That was a great conversation. I love that she opens the door, be honest with her. She's honest with others. So we could push back on things that we may disagree with. But one thing that no one can disagree with is that she is a powerhouse in general and even fighting through particularly difficulty in her life. What did you take away from this conversation? I look at people like that and I'm in awe because we all have that ability, you know? I mean, some people obviously have more ability and more, you know, talents and skills and organizational skills and all of that, that they could start an organization and run it. But I think each of us have the ability to do something that distinguishes us, that that makes a difference. And you look at Lisa and what she's created. And again, she said she worked in the medical office. She wasn't, this wasn't her job. She wasn't even involved in Shidduchim until she made one. And then she realized, you know what, there's, there's a need. There's a need for more involvement, for more of an organizational type of way of addressing Shidduchim. And she ran with it. And right. what was amazing to me about her is that after she went through, first of all, with her brother-in-law, Ray Wallerstein, who was a big personality in the Jewish world and, and was such a loss, she really was pushing initiatives for him and 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 totally put him on all of our radars on the chat and in general, um, really so devoted to his memory, which yeah. was also so inspiring. And then she, when her son passed away, she didn't miss a beat. I mean, she kept that chat going. She kept on with Shizuchim, starting new initiatives, but instead these initiatives now were in her son's memory. And to be able to pivot like that, where, you know, now I'm not just doing this for you know, for cholesterol, which is reason enough, or for, you know, the people right. who are involved and want to make a difference. But now I'm doing it for my son and that his name should get out there and there should be Zechios and special, um, you know, yeah. how, do you, how do you interpret the merits in his, in his name, in his memory? I mean, that to me was so strong of her and it was so inspiring to me and to all of us. So that's yeah. a huge takeaway. Touched me too. I mean, the bottom line is she's relentless in pursuing, helping the Jewish people. She's relentless and she breathes it day and night all the time. And when her son passed away and she was in the middle of Shiva, she posted that she had the responsibility and, and the and the peace of mind and the care and the concern to post in the middle that any shidduch that she had set up, here's who you could reach out for help because I won't be available because I'm sitting Shiva for the law. That's an unbelievable mindset and an unbelievable care. She is relentless in it and uh, the Jewish world's better for it. So we're grateful to Lisa. I'm grateful, Yocheved that you join me. And I hope you'll do it more often because I always get the best feedback when you come to co-host Behind the Bima. So thank you again, Danielle and Avi and uh, siblings and family. Happy birthday, Larry. Many more good health, happiness, lots of nachas, lots of successful Danielle Shaduchim. More Shaduchim. For Instead of Shalchanas, Danielle says, just buy a birthday gift for Papi or Larry. So thank you again for the generous sponsorship. And until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, stay holy. Thank you for listening to Behind the Bima. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next week for another peek behind the Bima.